0: great news. I am just so happy to tell you I got mail today. An envelope with stamps. I got mail and a letter from Mark Randall. He dated this letter April 23rd, 2020. And it says, Dear Maria, Lola told me about your podcast, which I have listened to. What a nice way to unite the tennis community during this strange and frustrating time. Encloses the booklet Lola may have told you about. I don't know if you have any use for it. Its style is overwrought, but you may find some father in its general theme, which, in short, annoying things people do on a tennis court. Parentheses, apart from bidding you. Oh, thanks, Mark. Anyway, good luck with your podcasts and here's wishing we will all stay healthy and be back on the courts soon. Yours, Mark. Mark, thank you so much. You really made my day today, Mr. Mark Randall. I loved it. I love your mail and uh, he enclosed the book. His book is titled The Lost Book of Tennis Leviticus wherein the Lord gives the people a general tennis etiquette. I need this book. This is like a tennis Bible. Mark, you are so generous to share this and to take your time to write to me. I appreciate it, and I thank you so much. So, something about Mr. Randall. Mark was introduced to tennis as a child sometime around 1960. In his thirties, he started playing more regularly with his friend, Bill. Since Bill and Mark are close in age and had similar tennis experiences, they shared without thinking a common court etiquette. It was when their tennis circle enlarged and included people newer to the game, that Bill and Mark began to exchange glances, roll their eyes, and good-naturedly, for the most part, wonder at what seemed to them lapses in proper behavior. Mark began to catalog these transgressions in his mind and finally spewed them forth in this wonderful little book. It was all in good fun, mostly to tease and maybe to teach his tennis buddies. Now that you've shared it, Mark, I am so happy to share it. I am reading from the book that Mr. Mark Randall sent me. That was so amazing. I'm just so happy to receive this from Mark who is from Philadelphia. The title of the book is, The Lost Book of Tennis Leviticus, wherein the Lord gives the people a general tennis etiquette. Mark Randall wrote this in 2007, All Rights Are Served. His dedication reads, For Bill, who inspired these writings, and for Jim, Stewart and Skip, who in varying degrees Provoked them. With Bill, Jim, Stewart, and Scape are listening to my reading of Mark Randall's book. You guys are very special. I am so honored to read this. I'm going to read the preface, and it says, "It had become a settled belief among scholars." the last extant copy of these late chapters of Leviticus, the so-called tennis chapters, had been destroyed around the time of the Great War. Resigned to this loss, academicians pursued the only route thought open to them, painstakingly sifting through countless written, oral, and photographic archives for any shard of evidence, that might allow them to reconstruct the text in its original form. It can hardly be imagined that the astonishment and joy felt by scholars, bibliophiles, and tennis players alike, when in April of 2006, in a house in Breen Pennsylvania, a chance upon a pristine leather-bound copy of these chapters dated 1911, ignominiously shimming a leg of a wobbly, spinet piano. I am thus able and greatly pleased to make this hallowed text available to the public for the first time since its disappearance generations ago. Some few comments in their history may be in order. It should be noted that the authenticity of these chapters of Leviticus has been in dispute ever since they were first found on parchments in a stone garden urn near Wimbledon in 1887. Still, they enjoyed a wide popularity and circulation, especially among the growing tennis set, and were often published as a separate, renumbered volume and conveniently, if somewhat inaccurately titled, The Book of Tennis Leviticus. Some experts contend that the doppel's portion of the text was written by a separate author, the D author, and interpolated into the text of the original author, known to the scholars as the singles or S author. Evidence for this is based on conflicting fragments of oral history in which chapter 7's long description was sometimes recalled as between players, the putative S author, and sometimes as among players, the D author. I have kept the latter title here, conforming to the Bryn Moore text. In order to convey the flavor of the original, I have made no effort to revise the language, even in those instances where it may shock and burden the modern reader, such as, for example, the use of only masculine pronouns, when both sexes are meant to be included. While interestingly, some bits of this etiquette are here, and they're still respected tennis players. Will no doubt be appalled to learn how fragmentary, irregular, and shoddy is modern custom compared to that of the ancients. Dependent for so long on only oral transmission, these rules of conduct have been frayed by time, broken by ignorance, and abundant for the shallow glamour of baser examples. It is my hope that quite apart from narrow scholarly interest, the return of these chapters in book form will serve enthusiasts of the game, as a primer for some, as a refresher for others. And the observance of the tenets found within its pages will redound to a greater and more general enjoyment upon the court. Finally, I note that the text is rendered entire and complete except for a section titled On Proper Attire, which I deem to be of interest only to Antiquarians and mostly beyond the comprehension of the general public. By Mark Randall, Philadelphia, January 2007. Thank you for listening. Chapter 1 The Lord Creates Tennis for His Angels 1. And having finished the greater part of His creation, the Lord sighed and looked about and saw that it were good. 2. And the angels in heaven lauded Him for it, singing His praises unceasingly, and playing upon the timbrel unceasingly, and playing upon the harp, unceasingly three whereupon it came to the lord that it might gladden his angels to have else to do that were not so everywhere unceasing four and so to this end the lord created tennis as it were a sudden notion to him of the fanciful kind five And he saw at once that tennis were an holy and amusing thing, and it were in such measure holy and amusing that the Lord himself did deign to play at it for his own delight. 6. And so mighty was the Lord that he never missed a shot, neither a forehand nor a backhand, nor a serve nor a volley. Wherefore the Lord saw, nearer, saw no reason not to be thus exceedingly pleased and full of magnanimity. 7. And the angels with whom the Lord played felt no rancor unto the Lord, but joined Him in His perfect and excellent pleasure. 8. For in paradise... No points were won on account of any other's errors. Only were they won on winning shots, which is to say, on strokes so excellent as to be untouched by any opponent. 9. And all of these winning shots were struck by the Lord. 10. And the angels, upon seeing this, could only praise the Lord in his swiftness and mightiness and as neither any of the angels did make any error upon the court they none of them felt any shame on their own parts nor chastised by themselves and no equanimity was lost among them end of chapter 1